Chapter Six of Marjorie Dean, High School Junior by Pauline Lester. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Ashley Jane. Chapter Six: A Question of Schoolgirl Honor. I've something to report, Captain. Marjorie entered her mother's room and dropped dispiritedly at her feet. Unpinning her flower-decked hat, she removed it with a jerk and let it slide to the floor. "'Well, dear, what is it?' Mrs. Dean cast a half-anxious look at her daughter. The long strip of pink crochet work, destined to become part of an afghan for Marjorie's house, dropped from her hands. Reaching down, she gave the dejected curly head at her knee a reassuring pat. What has happened to spoil my little girl's second day at school? Marjorie flashed an upward glance at her mother that spoke volumes. I've had a horrid time today, she answered. Last year, when things didn't go right, I kept some of them to myself. This year I'm going to tell you everything. Her voice quivering with indignation at the calamity that had overtaken her unawares, she related the disturbing events that had so recently transpired. I don't know what to do, she ended. Do you think I ought to go to Miss Archer and tell her everything? That is a leading question, Lieutenant. Mrs. Dean continued a sympathetic smoothing of Marjorie's curls. It is one thing to confess one's own faults. It is quite another to make public the faults of someone else. It is hardly fair to Miss Archer to allow this girl to profit by her own dishonesty. It is not fair to the girl herself. If she is allowed to pursue, unchecked, a course which will eventually lead to a great dishonesty, then you would be in a measure responsible. On the other hand, I abhor a tale-bearer. I can't decide at once what you ought to do. I shall have to think it over and give you my answer later. Your rights must be considered also. You were an innocent party to a despicable act. Therefore, I do not believe that you owe the author of it any special loyalty. I am not sure but that I ought to go to Miss Archer myself about it. You have suffered a good deal since you began going to Sanford High School through Mignon LaSalle. I do not propose that this new girl shall spoil your junior year for you. Come to me tomorrow at this time, and I will have made up my mind what is best for you. I am glad you told me this. So am I, sighed Marjorie. I know that whatever you decide will be best for me, Captain. I am not afraid for myself. It's only that I hate to make trouble for this girl, even though she deserves it. You see, it may mean a good deal to her father and mother to have her get along well in school. 
She said her father wouldn't let her go away to boarding school. That sounds as though he wanted her to be at home where he could look after her. That must also be considered, agreed Mrs. Dean. Now don't worry about this affair any more. I am sure we shall find the wisest way out of it for everyone concerned. You had better run along now and get ready for dinner. It's almost half past six. Marjorie reached for her discarded hat. Scrambling to her feet, she embraced her mother and went to her room, infinitely cheered. As she left the room, Mrs. Dean sent after her a glance freighted with motherly protection. She had no sympathy for a girl such as Marjorie had described Rowena Farnham to be, and she uttered a mental prayer of thankfulness that her own daughter was above reproach. No further mention of the affair was made between mother and daughter that evening. Nevertheless, Marjorie went to school the next morning in a far from buoyant mood. She had been wakened by a reverberating roll of thunder, followed by the furious beating of rain against her windows. A true child of sunshine, the steady tapping of the heavy drops filled her with a dread sense of oppression which she could not shake off. By noon, however, it had passed away with the storm. When she went home to luncheon, the sun was high in the sky. The rain-washed streets were rapidly succumbing to his warm smile. Only a puddle here and there, or a shower of silver drops from a breeze-shaken tree, remained to remind her of the morning deluge. Returning from luncheon, she had hardly gained her seat when Miss Merton stalked down the aisle to her desk. "'Report to Miss Archer at once, Miss Dean,' she commanded in her most disagreeable manner. Marjorie's thoughts immediately flew to yesterday. Was it possible that Rowena Farnham had gone to the principle of her own volition? It was hardly to be credited. Remembering her mother's note, Marjorie jumped to the conclusion that this was the most probable reason for the summons. "'Good afternoon, Marjorie,' greeted Miss Archer from her desk as the pretty junior appeared in the doorway. "'Come here, my dear. I have something rather unusual to show you.' She motioned Marjorie to draw up a chair beside her own. I wonder if you can throw any light upon this. This was an open letter, which she now tendered to the puzzled girl. Marjorie read, Miss Archer, Yesterday morning, at a little after eleven o'clock, Marjorie Dean and a girl with red hair and black eyes, whose name I do not know, meddled with the examination papers on your desk while you were in another part of the building. Marjorie Dean showed the girl how to do one of the examination problems in algebra. This I know because I heard them talking about it and saw them have the list of questions. Such dishonesty is a disgrace to Sanford High School. 
The Observer Marjorie allowed the letter to fall from her nerveless hands. She felt herself grow hot and cold as she forced herself to meet Miss Archer's intent scrutiny. Yet she said nothing. Only her brown eyes sent forth agonised signals of distress. Noting her strange demeanour, Miss Archer's pleasant face hardened. Was Marjorie Dean really guilty of such dishonour? If innocent, why did she not hotly proclaim the fact? I am waiting for you to explain the meaning of this note, Marjorie, she reminded sternly. Can you do so? Yes, came the low monosyllable. Then do so at once, crisply ordered the principal. Marjorie drew a long breath. I can't explain my part of it without bringing in someone else, she faltered. You mean Miss Farnham, I suppose? Marjorie hesitated, then nodded. It appeared that Miss Archer had already put two and two together. I happen to know that Miss Farnham is the only one who could possibly answer to the description this letter gives, continued Miss Archer impatiently. She was also the only one to be interested in the papers on my desk. I sent for you first, however, because I wished to give you a chance to explain how you happened to figure in this affair. I have always had a great deal of faith in you, Marjorie. I do not wish to lose that faith. Now I must insist on knowing exactly what occurred here yesterday morning. Did you, or did you not, assist Miss Farnham in solving a problem in algebra, which she called from the examination paper in that subject? Miss Archer, Marjorie said earnestly, I did help Miss Farnham with that problem, but I had no idea that she was trying to do anything so dishonourable. It all came about through a mistake. I'd rather she would explain that part of it. The reason I happened to be in the office was because of the note my mother asked me to bring you. Miss Farnham was here when I came in. While I sat waiting for you, she asked me to help her with that problem. I solved it for her, and she took it and went away. I waited a little longer, then left the office. Miss Archer's stern features gradually relaxed as Marjorie made this straightforward account of her own actions. The principal noted, however, that she had revealed considerably less regarding the other girl. That is a somewhat indefinite statement, she said slowly. You have not been frank as to Miss Farnham. You are keeping something back. You must tell me all. I prefer to know the absolute facts from you before sending for the other party to this affair. Please don't ask me to tell you, Miss Archer, pleaded Marjorie. I'd rather not. Miss Archer frowned. This was not the first time that Marjorie had taken such a stubborn stand. 
she knew the young girl's horror of telling tales. Yet here was something that she deemed it necessary to uncover. She did not relish being thus balked by a too rigid standard of schoolgirl honour. It suddenly occurred to her to wonder how Marjorie could have been so easily deceived. "'Do you think this is fair to me?' she questioned sharply. "'I feel that I have behaved very fairly to you in thus far assuming that you are innocent. There are gaps in your story which must be filled. I wish you, not Miss Farnham, to supply them.' Suppose I were to say, it is very strange that you did not suspect this girl of trickery. But I didn't, truly I didn't, sounded the half-tearful protest. I am not actually saying that you suspected her. Tell me this at least. Did you know that the problem she asked you to solve for her was from the examination sheet? I, she, stammered the unfortunate junior. You did know it, then, exclaimed Miss Archer in pained suspicion. This places you in a bad light. If you knew the source of the problem, you can hardly claim innocence now unless you give me absolute proof of it. You have my word that I am not guilty. Her desire to cry vanished. Marjorie now spoke with gentle dignity. I try always to be truthful. Miss Archer surveyed the unobliging witness in vexed silence. At heart she believed Marjorie to be innocent, but she was rapidly losing patience. Since you won't be frank with me, I shall interview Miss Farnham as soon as she finishes her examinations of the morning. I shall not allow her to go on with this afternoon's test until I have reached the bottom of this affair. Come to my office as soon as you return from luncheon. That is all. The principal made a dignified gesture of dismissal. The beseeching glance poor Marjorie directed toward Miss Archer was lost upon the now incensed woman. She had already begun to busy herself at her desk. If she had glimpsed the reproach of those mournful eyes, it is doubtful whether she would have been impressed by them. Secretly she was wondering whether she had made the mistake of reposing too much confidence in Marjorie Dean. End of chapter 6 Recording by Ashley Jane